Today's episode of the Locked On Phillies podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, it's changing the way we talk sports. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Locked On Phillies podcast. Today is Friday, June 11th, 2021. I, of course, am your host, Dan Wilson. Another Friday off day for the Phillies, a day after Gene Segura. It's a walk-off single. He didn't run out of the box, so he only got a single out of it. The Phillies walk it off in the bottom of the 10th. Two walk-offs in less than 24 hours. Of course, it was Luke Williams with a walk-off home run on Wednesday, a walk-off single for Segura in the Thursday game. They win back-to-back series, win two of three from the Atlanta Braves. Now, the second off day of the week, already the third off day here in the month of June, or the fourth off day in the month of June, if you include that game that got rained out in Cincinnati, really. Two games coming up this weekend against the New York Yankees. And on today's episode, I am joined by a very special guest. It is Ricky Ricardo. You may know him as the Spanish voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. Used to be the Spanish voice of the Philadelphia Phillies. Now works out of uh, his office in the Bronx up at Yankee Stadium. He's the Spanish broadcaster for the New York Yankees. He will be on the call this weekend, of course, for both games. I've also had the opportunity to work with him at my job at 94WIP producing for him. Always love talking baseball with him. Always love talking Phillies and Yankees and when these two teams square off, certainly I knew that he was the guy I had to talk to. Yankees come in struggling on the season, certainly similar to the Phillies based upon their expectations. They're sitting at 33-30. and 30. They're coming off a game last night where Aroldis Chapman, for the first time all season, blew up in the ninth inning, didn't even record an out, allows four runs in the ninth to the Minnesota Twins, and his velocity was dipping a little bit. And He's been very, very good so far this season, and certainly someone the Phillies fans are familiar with. I remember seeing him, I was at a game in 2010 when the Phillies were playing the Reds in the playoffs, and he came in, and now he's been in baseball for a while, went from the Reds to the Yankees to the Cubs, was on their World Series team, back to the Yankees. So certainly something to keep an eye on this weekend is how his velocity is usually sits around 100, was in the mid-90s last night and had his first blow up. So maybe it's hopefully the, the Yankees continue to derail here, and that would be good. For the Phillies, of course, there's some storylines coming into the series in terms of Joe Girardi, being that he, of course, used to be the Yankee manager, won their 27th and most recent World Series over the Phillies. Aaron Boone is a Philly guy. He's an Eagles fan. Last year, there was a little bit of uh, some storylines when the Yankees came to Philly and the Pandemic crew, who I had an opportunity to meet and catch a game with, were, you know, making some noise, and Aaron Boone was not really a fan of the air horns and stuff like that outside the stadium. And now he got the label Karen Boone. So I'm looking forward to the signs this week, and I'm looking forward to Girardi catching up with his old team. Of course, Aaron Boone in his, not first return to Philadelphia, but managing back in Philly. Of course, there's a few guys in the Phillies who used to be New York Yankees, whether it's Ronald Torres, Didi Gregorius, who is hurt. Uh, so it, it will be a fun series to watch. Always fun when they take on the Yankees. It'll be interesting to see what the crowd makeup is. Typically, Yankee fans travel very, very well. And as I mentioned in this podcast here, a lot of them, not even necessarily from New York, though it is only a two-hour shot down the turnpike. Plenty of Yankee fans in Jersey, but all over the country. Wherever the Yankees go, there are certainly a population of Yankee fans there. And the Phillies have struggled so far this season. They've been struggling with attendance recently. And the Yankees, no matter what, usually typically draw a crowd. So I will have the opportunity to go on Saturday. Should be fun. Should be exciting to see what happened. But without any further 
hesitation. Without any further introduction, I present to you my conversation with Ricky Ricardo ahead of this weekend's Phillies-Yankees series at Citizens Bank Park. Joining us on today's episode of the Locked on Phillies podcast, you know him from 94 WIP, WFAN up in New York. He's the Spanish broadcaster for the Philadelphia Eagles, but of course also for the New York Yankees, who the Phillies will be playing in a two-game series at Citizens Bank Park this weekend. It is Ricky Ricardo. Ricky, how are you doing today? Dan, good. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, so tell me about uh, this Yankees team, because the Phillies, I would say, have a are having a disappointing season. My listeners know that. I complain about them almost daily. But the Yankees, uh, I can't say that they're having a season up to their standards either. They're coming off a game last night. I Pretty much the first time this Chapman blew up all season long. Uh, what, what's gone wrong up in the Bronx this year? Well, there are many theories as to what's gone wrong with this Yankee team, Dan. Let's start with the fact that the roster construction is very, I'm, I'm talking extremely right-handed for a team that traditionally in Yankee Stadium with the short porch and right field has always been based on left-handed power. Now, we're playing a new kind of baseball, as you know, Dan. This is, uh, cyber, you know, sabermetrics. Uh, it's, it's all based on numbers. And the guys that put all these numbers together have said that these Yankee hitters can hit the ball to right and right center field just as well as left-handed power hitters have over the years. I don't know if I completely buy that theory. I'm watching it up close and personal each and every day. Yes, Aaron Judge hits a ball to the opposite field. He's strong enough to hit it out of any park, Central Park, you name it, Fairmount Park, whatever park you want. Giancarlo Stanton, the same thing. But I think that major league pitching, and that's a whole other subject, uh, you know, with substances and, and things of that nature, but major league pitching has kind of caught up a little bit to some of the holes in these Yankee hitters. I've watched the way that pitching staffs attack Yankee hitters, you know, hard stuff up and in, sliders low and away. It's the traditional Leo Mazzoni formula back from when the Braves had the great starting staffs uh, you know, years ago, uh, but it still works today. And, and when you discover the holes in certain hitters and everyone now is, you know, is looking for that launch angle and they want the, uh, the exit velocity. So nobody's, you know, swinging just to make contact. Everybody's up there trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Chicks dig the long ball and the agents dig the long ball because that is what brings the big money contract back. So nobody's trying to be Tony Gwynn. Everybody's trying to be, you know, the home run king. Nobody's uh, trying to be Wade Boggs and hit the ball in the opposite field and, you know, and get a single here and move a runner over and sacrifice that bat because the manager took notice. Oh, I can count on him to get that guy over to third with less than two outs. That's out. That, that is not part of the game today. So the Yankees have been constructed in a way where they, they rely on a lot of right-handed power and they can be pitched to. They've got holes. It's very similar to uh, the situation with the Phillies, too. Uh, but I've, I've watched as, uh, as the Yanks have just taken big swing after big swing all year. They strike out a lot. They're amongst the leaders in hitting into double plays, which has been huge. They've got over 60 double plays that they have hit into this year. They've only played 63 games. And they've got, you know, basically a double play per game uh, uh, on an average. So... Uh, there's been a lot that's gone wrong with the offense. Obviously, losing Corey Kluber. Remember, they, they chose not to re-sign Masahiro Tanaka, 
who maybe the last two, three years wasn't the same Tanaka who first came over from Japan. He was known as a great big game, big money pitcher. Last couple of years in postseason, he's been knocked around a little bit. Wasn't the same pitcher. Was still going to demand, you know, big time dollars. They chose to go in another direction. They signed Corey Kluber. They took a shot on Jamison Tyone in a trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Kluber was rounding into form, as you saw, with the crescendo of the no-hitter against the Texas Rangers. Unfortunately, he gets hurt, so it's a setback to the rotation. Luis Severino isn't ready yet. He's now rehabbing in the minor leagues. It'll take him a month to fill that spot, basically, that Kluber has left behind in the rotation. And let's face it, Dan, Jamison Tyone has been okay, but he hasn't been anything special really hasn't gone beyond the sixth inning in any one of his starts. He's only got one win to show for it so far. So the starting pitching uh, has been shaky at times. The bullpen has been really good, although it has had some slip-ups lately. Uh, Chapman, as you mentioned, had his first blown save and big-time just blown outing of the season uh, last night as we record this on a Friday against the Minnesota Twins where he didn't get an out. I mean, basically a single home run, single home run. Good night. See you. Let's get on the plane and go to Philadelphia. So the, the bullpen has been good. Starting pitching, you know, Garrett Cole, we all know the conversations with the spider tech and the whole thing. But in general, he's been your ace. He's been what he's supposed to be. But really, it comes down to the execution of the offense. It's an all or nothing offense. When Stanton is hitting the baseball that everybody else has pitched too differently, when Judge is hitting the baseball, everyone else is pitched too differently. But you've got a guy at the top of the order who was a, a, a batting champion in both leagues in DJ LeMahieu, who, let's face it, has just not been the same hitter. He's hitting in the 250s, the low 250s, with three homers and 14 RBIs, maybe 15. I mean, he might have had one last night. But you're talking about a guy that, you know, mid-June has still got numbers that he usually has in mid-April. So, you know, it's been an issue with LeMahieu after signing his contract extension. But really the crux of the matter with the Yankees has just been that the offense has not been what was expected. Guys have underperformed like Clint Frazier. You really only have a really good Miguel Andujar here in the last couple of weeks. Brett Gardner is showing his age at 37 years old. Uh, so there's a lot of holes in this roster. The roster construction has been criticized and analyzed at length, at nauseum. And we'll see what Brian Cashman's able to do before the trade deadline. He needs a center fielder with Aaron Hicks, you know, being out for the year. So maybe a Starling Marte or somebody like that with a, you know, an expiring contract might be a viable candidate. Uh, but right now with two other legit teams in the American League East, because I don't think Boston's going anywhere. I think they're legit. That's the surprise of the division. And the defending champion, Tampa Bay Rays, playing as well or better than they did last year. It's going to be a tough road to hoe. More of my conversation about this weekend's Phillies-Yankees series with Ricky Ricardo coming right up. But first, got to tell you about sports trade. I've been talking a lot about sports trade lately. If you haven't heard about it, it's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. It's no wonder this company is blowing up. The site is really amazing. I frankly can't believe nobody else has thought of this concept before a sports trade truly takes fantasy to the next level. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks, it's a fair and super exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And they just added baseball to the platform. Check it out today. Making money with sports trade, it's simple. Player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, 
their performance in each game compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher the player's value goes. And two, it's good old supply and demand. The more shares that are purchased in a player, the higher their value will go. You can instantly buy and sell as many shares in as many players as you'd like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, and then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com. Discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. I really think you'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the action at sportstrade.com. Yeah, so a few things I wanted to go off that you just said that I do have to ask about. I will get to Tyon because he is going tomorrow uh, in the Saturday game. But just because it's been such a big story around Major League Baseball this week, the comments that uh, Garrett Cole made about the use of foreign substances, what did you make of them? Obviously, we know that there has been pitchers for years using them. If he is using them, he's not alone in doing so. But he kind of gave, in my opinion, a little bit of a weird answer when he was asked about it. What, what, what did you make of that? Well, it was the comments that he didn't make, okay, because <laughs> he was flat out asked, you know, by Ken Davidoff, uh, one of the uh, better beat writers in town, you know, flat, simple question, have you used spider tech? And, you know, his answer was, uh, was very unclear, obviously, kind of beat around the bush with the answer. I guess if you had subtitles under what you saw in the video, in the Zoom video, the subtitle might say, well, yes, I have, but, bah, 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 bah. I mean, you know, look, I'm, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth and I'm not trying to answer questions for Garrett Cole. You know, he's, he's a big boy and he can handle himself. Now, from everything I've heard, Dan, this is a very, you know, widely used, and, and this didn't start this year. No, I know. They're just deciding to crack down on it now. Exactly, but this has been going on for a while. Now, what's interesting is that this is really... Since the steroid era, since the Sosa, McGuire, Bonds, Clemens era, this is really the first time where, where you've got an issue that's dividing a clubhouse because this is player on player crime. OK, and the way teams are constructed these days, most clubs have 13 pitchers, 13 position players. So you're really going right down the middle of a clubhouse. You've got 13 position guys that are mad at the other 13 guys you know, for using a substance and making their numbers come down, you, you know, you're, you're, you're hearing about the shortstop class, the stories, the bias, you know, the Seegers of the world, uh, this great free agent shortstop class who their offers might be toned down a little bit because their numbers are down because supposedly, or at least in the mindset of these players, pitchers have such a big advantage using this substance. I don't think if Garrett Cole is, has been using it, I don't know how much of an advantage it is. Uh, I've heard everything from 80 to 90 percent, supposedly, of pitchers at one time or another have experimented with this or something similar. So, you know, who can really put a number on how much better it makes a guy like a Garrett Cole? You know, is a Zach Wheeler using it? You know, is a Trevor Bauer who we've heard about, uh, you know, situations, you know, how much better does it make him? Did it get him a $40 million contract? Did it help in getting Garrett Cole 300 and however million dollars he's making? You know, it's something you really can't put a finger on, but it's something Major League Baseball is trying to crack down on. But at the same time, like I mentioned, it's an issue that's going to divide a clubhouse and divide a players union, more importantly, because they've got to agree. You know, Rob Manfred just can't say, it's a 10-game suspension like they you know, have done in the minor leagues. It's got to be agreed upon, whatever discipline is, 
has to be agreed upon by the Players Association. And, and I find it very hard to believe that brethren in the union are going to say yes and vote for a 10-game suspension and take money out of the hands of pitchers when those same guys have to face their accusers in their clubhouses each and every day. And I've always found the 10-game suspension for a starting pitcher to be not much of a punishment. And you're essentially missing one start, and then you yeah. start on the day you get back. I, I've right. never found that. I get the money aspect of it. But it's not that huge. You miss one Garrett Cole start for all this cheating he may or may not be doing. I've always found to be a little ridiculous. So I'll follow up with this. You're commissioner of baseball for a day. We already spoke about how the Yankees and the Phillies as well are victims to the modern day baseball offensive bug. A lot of strikeouts swinging for the fences. It's the year of the pitcher. We're, we might finish the season with, you know, 25 no hitters at this rate, although it's, yep. we haven't had one in a few weeks now. Uh, what would you do to change what, what, if anything, would you do to change some rules? Are you lowering the mound? Are you cracking down on these foreign substances? Are you doing something to incentivize more small ball? Because as I see it, if you keep the rules as they are, we're going to keep going down this path that everyone's on. Some teams will benefit and some teams are really going to struggle. Everyone is always, and this is you know true through history. It's probably true today and it's probably always going to be true Dan everyone is always looking for an advantage whether it's the pitcher whether it's the hitter it's everyone's always looking for an edge to beat the competition this might be you know radical and I've been known to be kind of conservative at times on certain ideas I'm really going to go out on a limb here and say you know what let it all happen okay you want to use substances use them you want to use performance-enhancing drugs at your own risk? Use them. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. There's no way to legislate these things. I don't think that, that there's really a way where if, if you change one rule, somebody's going to invent somebody to get around the rule change. You know, I, I really find it difficult to believe that Rob Manfred and the Players Association are ever going to come to an agreement on a perfect solution for how to keep the game as quote unquote clean or straight up or however you want to describe it as possible. Everyone, the human being is always looking for an edge to beat the other guy. These are competitors. I don't know if the solution is to just say, hey, there is no rules, okay? Uh, here are the parameters. Uh, you know, pitchers, you're all throwing 100 miles an hour. Well. Hitters, you're going to have to get quicker and you're going to have to get stronger. Because I don't know if you either go all the way one way or all the way the other. If you start implementing, you know, small rule changes here and there, where does it stop? If you move the mound back a foot, is that enough? You know, is then the hitter going to say, well, I want a, a, a wider strike zone? You know, if, if offenses go up, then people complain because the pitching is too good. When the, you know, uh, or too bad, I should say, and vice versa. When everyone was hitting the ball or the ball out of the ballpark a couple of years ago, all the ballparks are all band boxes. They're all too small. There's too many runs scored. It's a joke. Now it's the other way around and people say, oh, there's all these strikeouts. So you're never going to make everybody happy. I'm not sure there is a solution. And, and I hope I don't sound like a cop out here to answer the question. If I were the commissioner, I'd just say, fellas, here are the rules. This is within this box. Now go at it. And it, but it's on you. If you get sick, if you're 60, 70 years old and you've got issues because you use performance enhancing drugs in your twenties and thirties, that's not on us. Don't sue us. We're not liable. 
This is something that you take on your own. You're grown men, you're, you're, you're adults, you make decisions for yourselves. But this is, this, here are the parameters. Now let's go compete. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Shoe. Fully Loaded Shoe is tobacco-free, long cut and pouches that give you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Shoe is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All other nicotine pouches are dry white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like a Fully Loaded Pouch. Fully Loaded Chew is offering the Locked On team listeners a special offer right now. You can try and a can. It's just for $1. That's right, just $1. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com. Use that promo code Locked On, just $1, and free shipping if you use the code Locked On at checkout. Again, this is an offer exclusive to Locked On Podcast Network listeners. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com and use that promo code Locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for a $1 can. The next time you go for a dip, make it Fully Loaded Chew at FullyLoadedChew.com. Also have to tell you about my friends at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors by now, you're certainly missing out. It's coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salt with caramel. There's something for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get that mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Flavors have 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty, and the best part, they are all healthy. Order today. Get the raspberry, the mint brownie, whatever you like. Maybe even try that mixed box if you're undecided. Go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your first order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I wanted to quickly ask you about, uh, so Jamison Tyon will be going in Saturday's ball game. You mentioned he struggled. It'll be Vince Velasquez for the Phillies. And if you told anyone that at this point in the season, Velasquez would have the lower ERA of the two, you probably wouldn't have believed it. Tyon coming in with a five ERA. I know you mentioned he has struggled this season. What have you seen out of him? What does he need to do to, you know, have a start that maybe hasn't been uh, maybe the norm so far in the year 2021? Tyone, Dan, has been the victim, and we've seen this over the years, with even with really good pitchers. But he's been the victim of that one bad inning, okay? Jamison Tyone can go five and a third, maybe up to six innings like he has six. And uh, I think his longest outing may have been six and a third of the year, but he's been victim of one bad inning where he gives up maybe a three run homer or a couple of solo jacks. I don't know if there's anything specific about his game when he is, when he's throwing well, his fastball moves, he's got good command. He seems to lose it between the ears for one inning a lot of damage get, gets caused in that one inning. He hasn't really had a game where his team has given him that big-time offensive support where they've scored seven, eight runs, given him a lead to be able to be comfortable to work with and have a cushion behind him. That hasn't happened yet either. Um, he's really pitched in, in basically good matchups with, with other guys uh, where he's – look, even the Red Sox game that he pitched over the weekend, it was a back-and-forth on – uh, on Sunday night baseball. 
against a very good hitting team, but he's really been the victim of having one bad inning in practically every one of his outings. His velocity is there. The, the command most of the time has been there. He just seems to lose it at certain times. Pitching coach comes out, Matt Blake will come out, reel him in a little bit. He gets out, in and out of trouble, but he's been the, the victim of really maybe losing concentration and focus for one particular inning in each and every game. Maybe it's the first, maybe it's the third, maybe it's the fourth, but it hasn't been consistent with runners on base. He's been one, two, three, one, two, three, bam, here's an inning where they get four runs. Then he comes back with another one, two, three inning. So uh, if he can harness everything and focus a little bit when he gets into trouble and try to maybe get out of trouble with big time damage, I think you'll see a better Jamison Tyone moving forward. You know, it's funny you say that because it almost sounds somewhat similar to Aaron Nola, who for the Phillies will be going on Sunday, having a disappointing season by his own standards. And his ERA, specifically in the first inning, is close to seven this season. It seems like it takes him a little bit to get settled in. He doesn't always have his sharpest stuff. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, you got a guy on Tyon going for the Yankees on Saturday, and Nola going for the Phillies on Sunday. Two names that haven't lived up to their name, per se. Yeah. And then... Year. And then Sunday, Domingo Herman, you know, for the Yankees, uh, I, you know, I, I've had people say, oh, I want to watch the matchup of Domingo Herman pitching to a double Herrera. Come on. You know, what are we doing here? Yeah. Uh, the, um, so I was going to just ask you on a personal level, and I know appreciate your time that I have a few minutes left here. Is this a personal thrill for you? Obviously, you work in both Philadelphia and New York. It's not as if the Phillies and Yankees don't play every year it's happened a few years in a row here now because of the COVID season now we'll have fans back in the ballpark full capacity at citizens bank park coming up this weekend i wouldn't say that the phillies and yankees are rivals per se though it is philly and new york but it's not the mets or the red sox but when these two teams do square off do you have any favorite phillies yankees stories and it what does it mean to you personally working for the you know the Yankees and for the Eagles and in well, remember, Philadelphia, you know, I, I cut my teeth doing play-by-play in the Phillies booth. Uh, you know, I did Phillies play-by-play from 2007 through the glory years and through 2013. I started with the Yankees in 2014. Now these are the two teams that I grew up liking. I was never a Met fan. My National League team was the Phillies because as a little kid we got the Phillies Super Se- you know on 17 uh, Super 17 was Atlanta on PHL 17 on cable in New Jersey. So I always liked in the National League team, whoever was playing the Mets, and then the Phillies were there each and every night. So I became a red pinstripe National League fan before our interleague play. And then I was always a Yankee fan in the American League. So it was really two different worlds when I was growing up. The American League and the National League, although it was one Major League Baseball, they couldn't be further apart. And so it was kind of okay to have two teams that you liked because if they didn't meet the world series, it was almost as if they were playing two different sports. So I've always been both a Phillies and Yankees fan. Now I did the 2009 world series where I was torn, obviously was torn between, you know, both of those teams. The Phillies had just come off winning in 2008. The Yankees hadn't won a World Series since 2000. Well, the, well, the Yankees them. are a very, you know, a devastating franchise. They don't win a whole lot historically. So, you know, it was, <laughs> it, it, it was a really big deal. They had to get their well, title in 09. I, I you know, it, it was one of those whoever wins type of thing for me in 2009. Uh, obviously, I leaned a little bit toward the Phillies because I was doing, you know, Phillies play by play and traveling with the Phils and, and, uh, and 
very happy cutting my teeth as a baseball broadcaster coming off of about 25, 30 years playing music on the radio. I hope I'm not aging myself here. Uh, I started very, very young, by the way. Uh, but it'll be exciting for me. My question is, Dan, and maybe you can help me answer this. The last time we played the Phils a couple of years ago, I'm not even counting last year, but the last time we went in, I remember they had three sellouts at Citizens Bank Park and the criticism and the conversation on 94 WIP, the outrage was that it was majority Yankee fans in Citizens Bank Park. Now, you know, it was it was still when the Yankees double A team was in Trenton. So guys like Aaron Judge and people that had gone through the organization and that were big stars now in the major league stage had all played right up the road in Trenton with the Trenton Thunder. So maybe there was an element to that. You know, Citizens Bank Park, a little bit more affordable than Yankee Stadium. It's not a long drive. I can tell you, I do it every week, minimum once, twice. It's an hour and a half drive down the turnpike. And Citizens Bank Park is an absolute, you know, fantastic place to go watch a ball game. So I'll be interested to see, with the capacity restrictions lifted this weekend, how many fans in the ballpark and how many people have the interlocking NY on their hat and shirt. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm fully expecting I'll be at the game on Saturday. I'm fully expecting a pretty full crowd, if not full capacity. Yankee fans, not even just in Philly, travel everywhere. I mean, I remember watching a Yankees White Sox series a couple of years ago and the place is packed with Yankee fans. I mean, you know, this. not even half the Yankee fan base is even necessarily from the New York area. They're just everywhere all across the world. And you add the fact that Philadelphia outside of New York is the next closest place to go watch a ball game. They're all over Jersey. They're all over. They could be in Maryland, Delaware. There's Yankee fans here in the Philadelphia area. They're just a global brand that draw wherever they are. And right now, the Phillies aren't playing well, drawing 14,000, pretty 13 to 14,000 consistently across the board. They're having an incredibly disappointing season. They were supposed to be better again this year. They're not. Some people have said that it's part of the pandemic thing. People aren't ready to go back. I, I would buy that more if the Sixers playoff games across the street weren't sold out. Like those are indoors. I was at the game on Sunday and people are shoulder to shoulder because people believe in that team and they're in the playoffs. If the Phillies were playing better, I'm not saying they'd be selling out every single night, like the glory days of 07 to 11 when they're winning a hundred games by the end. And on any random Tuesday night, it's 45,000 Phillies fans, but I'm expecting a lot of Yankee fans, but it, it is, it is always exciting when the Phillies and Yankees square off for well, and, that very reason. Hopefully we get two, two good games and same thing when they go back up to the Bronx in July. Yeah. Well, you've got the Aaron Boone, you know, grew up in Philly thing, Joe Girardi, the ex Yankee manager, Rob Thompson, you know, ex Yankee coach for, you know, all those years. There's a lot of connection between these two franchises. There's a lot of love there too. It's not really a rivalry. It's a reunion of old friends. I think it'll be a lot of fun this well, weekend. Aaron Boone, a Philly guy, an Eagles fan himself. But, you know, yeah. he, he got a name as a Karen Boone last year in the uh, pandemic season because he was complaining about the pandemic crew, if you remember. So that'll be <laughs> funny to see if any signs reemerge here this weekend. Ricky Ricardo, always fun. We'll be talking about this game tomorrow night. I'll be producing yep. for you at 94 WIP. Uh, should be fun as always. But I uh, thank you for your time here today. Dan, it's been a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk again on the radio. Sounds good. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked on Phillies podcast. Special thank you to Ricky Ricardo for taking some time and joining the show today. Again, if you liked what you heard, uh, tomorrow night, so Saturday night and technically Sunday morning at midnight until 2 a.m., I will be producing the second half of his show on 94 WIP 
here in Philadelphia. That's 94.1 FM. It's always a fun time. It'll be after game one of this two-game series. I'll be at the game on Saturday. He'll be calling the game from up in the Bronx and shooting down the turnpike to the WIP studio in Philadelphia. It'll be fun. He hosts. We'll be talking some baseball. I'll, of course, be chiming in, and it's definitely a good time and going to be more of what you heard here on today's episode. So again, special thank you to him. Hopefully the Phillies can keep a little bit of this momentum going. They just won two games on back-to-back walk-offs in less than 24 hours. Maybe this Luke Williams home run isn't just an isolated incident. Maybe it spurts a little bit of a run. The Yankees uh, certainly have been a vulnerable team this season, not playing their best baseball. They're coming off a game on Thursday where Aroldis Chapman blew up for the first time really all season. They will not see... Garrett Cole in this series, so certainly a good opportunity for the Phillies to at least get one, maybe two wins at home here before they head out to the West Coast next week. Again, that's going to do it for today's episode. Special thank you to Ricky Ricardo, and until next week, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, Locked on Phillies, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Make sure you're following me on Twitter, at Dan underscore Wilson 4, and the podcast on Twitter, at LO underscore Phillies. Get all the sports news you need in less than 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.